Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show, and in this episode we are hitting a classic, a classic in foreign cinema, this is The Seventh Seal, directed by Ingmar Bergman, uh, the first Bergman film you've done, I largely suspect it will not be the last, because he's Bergman and he's directed like 40 movies or something like that, something silly, uh, many of which are held in high esteem, so... Yeah, yeah, we're bound to do more at some point. Yeah, but we're doing we're doing a, a world cinema countdown at the end of the month. We're doing our best, you know, top fifty movies of world cinema. Uh, we're just going to do our own list. So we're kind of devoting most of the episodes this month to various foreign films, and this was uh, one actually from the Vault, uh, which we which we picked. The Vault, of course, is a is a is a list of movies that are is submitted by our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV, and they all go into this list. Everyone can see the list. You can get a link to the list in, in the description below but our patrons are the ones who get to add the movies on there and every so often we pick one off there so we wanted to do a vault movie where we wanted to stick to foreign cinema so you know we picked a foreign movie on the list and this one stuck out as being hey that's a biggie we should do that so so seven seal here we are um i think it's obviously we'll start spoiler free we'll give you warning somewhere in the middle before we go into spoilers i think my the first thing i want to say this before before i explain what it's about or ask you if you liked it had you seen this before no, I had not. No. This was a first time watch for you. Um, I, I'd seen this before. I I saw this. I had the cr- Criterion DVD way back when. Um, now I've got the Criterion Blu-ray, which means I've spent a fortune on the damn thing because Criterions are expensive. But so the first thing I want to say is just how weird it is that two weeks back to back, I feel like we've done some pretty heavy existential cinema. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an odd, odd trend i feel like it's not that uncommon we'll do like two action movies back to back or we'll do i don't know two time travel movies back to back two robot movies back to back but existential is it's kind of a something we usually do once every few months yeah so it's a more of a niche thing really but here we are uh so seven seal you've probably seen the famous image of of a knight playing chess with death on a beach and that is kind of how we start the movie and the idea is that over the course of the film we keep coming back to this chess game and the knight is stalling for time before his death uh from death from the hands of death well not from the hands of death. he's just there to collect them i guess he's not really killing them but i mean he does in some instances i, I took that more as a, a visual representation of like the actual accident that was happening in life mm. if that makes it be, yeah. any sense i don't know maybe it does just kill people he's like ah no one's dying naturally today i'm gonna go and grab someone by yeah. the throat and just it, hang him do. so and that's kind of playing out but and we, we have this knight who is having a bit of a crisis he's come back from uh the uh what do you call it the crusades crusades thank you uh and he's kind of disillusioned he he he, he was really raised you know religious uh, christian but he is having doubts now he is having these thoughts where he can't really believe that any of this actually exists but he wants to believe it exists. He wants proof that it exists because it'll make him feel better. But he doesn't really believe it. And he's having this crisis because of that. And then we have other characters who represent different things. His squire is very cynical and down to earth. He doesn't really believe in anything. And then we have this family, this troupe, this, this acting couple. Uh, who are very religious and very sort of arguably naive. But very hopeful and very full of joy. in the belief that they will be protected. And they're always singing songs about God and everything else. And they eventually of course cross paths at some point and there's kind of an apocalypse happening 
uh, <laughs> along the way. It's, it's, it's almost a minor plot point. But by way of plague. By way of plague, yes. There's plague happening. Uh, but that that is the seventh seal, uh, without getting into the, the details too heavily. So, Connor, did you enjoy the seventh seal? I did. I, I mean, enjoy is maybe not the right word. <laughs> I, feel, I feel that's a, a weird statement to say. But okay, but... Good. You you think it's a good film? You you. I do. I I, I judge its quality high. Yes. Uh, was this your first Bergman? Was this your first Bergman? Uh, yeah, I think so. Interesting. Um, I've seen a few. I, I have not seen enough Bergman. I have seen like four Bergman movies, which is nothing compared to the amount that he's that he's got. Uh, but bizarrely, this this is like his most famous one by far, right? And it, partly because it's really you know held in high esteem. And partly because it's been parodied the most, and even people who don't know foreign cinema will still recognise, you know, death with the the chess on the beach. Like, you know, Last Action Hero had a scene. Uh, the second Bill and Ted movie had like a whole thing with with death. Even the uh, the flagellating monks has been parodying things like um, uh, Monty Python. Oh, there you go. See, it's been parodied so much that it's just kind of in pop culture. Even if people don't know where it came from, like Seven Seals, yeah. just kind of part of this, and. Um, it's actually my least favourite of the ones I've seen of him now that's not to say that I don't like it, I actually think it's very good like, Ingmar Bergman is a man who is very confident in his craft he, yeah. he, he, he's, he clearly he makes a movie he's got an idea what, what the themes are, what it's about and he commits to it he, like, he overly commits to it almost and, it's the cinematography to back it up to yeah, it's the cinematography, it's the pacing uh, it's the acting, everything feels very allegorical, it doesn't really feel like we're in a real world necessarily uh, and even, yeah. even that's kind of because the whole seven seal thing it starts with the passage where the name you know the name comes from you know when the seven seal is opened uh, God is silent for half an hour and it's almost like the, the movie takes place in that half hour even though yeah. God is always silent but that's the idea is that he's silent and therefore there's no proof of him um, and I know just from a little bit of research that Bergman uh, again like the night in the film was raised religious but as an adult he came to the, you know his own belief where he's like I don't believe in any of this and I, that, I can relate. Uh, yeah, you went to Catholic school. You, yes. you, you went through all this. I, I was not. I was kind of like, my grandparents were kind of religious, but I was just kind of like left to like, ah, I mean, if he wants to believe in something, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. But um, uh, so I, I never really had this this shining moment of like, because because it was never drilled into me as a kid to the point where I had to sort of like, not that everyone has to. So if you if you if you if you're into it and you believe it, fair enough, go for it. But as a, as an atheist, speaking as an adult, I never had like this this shining moment of I'm breaking out of this and I, I don't believe any of this. It was more just of a there was an age where I hit, probably not too long after the Santa Claus realization, which are honestly very similar, I think, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Where I just kind of went. This is this feels really silly to me. Why 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 does because I th- I think when you're a kid you just don't question oh, oh okay people believe in God and stuff okay and then there's a there's a point where you're like wait why do people believe in this what's going on <laughs> yeah I think a little bit different for for me I I wouldn't say like I had a moment of realization yeah it was just and and silly isn't a word that I use obviously I, I grew up with yeah I, I can respect all the the customs and and you know mm. the, the services so I'd never disrespect it that much but. I just it was just a point where like yeah I don't I don't know why I'm here I'm just kind of I'm doing it out of habit and because it's expected rather yeah. than actually because I think any of this yeah um so and you didn't go through the crusades you just got older <laughs> and started well yeah. yeah having your own opinions and beliefs and whatnot but 
Um, but you know, I I think I when I, from my quick glance of research here, it sounds like he had like a period here. This is kind of the start of a period where a lot of his films kind of dealt with the theme of religion, and I think it's interesting because. It, the movie, like obviously, Antonius Black the Knight, played by uh, Max von Sydow, who of course is still going, he's still acting and stuff. Like we see him all the time. There's the thing he's still going. He's he's been in stuff very recently. It was in last time I saw him at least was Force Awakens, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. Force Awakens. He was born in 1929, and he is still still working as an actor, at least up until yeah. the end of 2015. So Which is recent enough that we'll, yeah. we'll go with it. Yeah, the dude the dude's been at it for a while. Uh, you might know him from Minority Report. He was in that and uh, a bunch of other stuff over the years. He's he's popped I mean, up in a lot. Looking at his IMDb, he's still got credits for twenty eighteen. That... Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because he was in Game of Thrones as well. How can I forget? He had quite quite a significant part there. Not in a lot of episodes, but significant in terms of what he what his role was. Yeah, but the the, the dude is the dude's getting up there. But he he's had a very lively career. So, no, so that, that's kind of the core of the film, is that he, he doubts that any of this is real. And he doesn't want it to, because this, this is the, the thing, is that Bergman was quoted as, or, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say the exact quote here, because I can't remember it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from memory, but uh, it's, it's, it, the, 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 the dread of now being in a world where you realise there is no God, and you realise that there is none of this stuff to come and save you. And that was kind of thing, like, he almost wished he did believe it, because it would actually just make things easier that uh, makes sense i think specifically here it, it's uh, for the for the night in question it's the comfort of knowing that there's something after death right that it's not yeah. all meaningless that it's uh, specifically here with the, the crusades that all that fighting and death yeah had a purpose which is funny so actually funny you bring up specifically the idea of there being something after death someone out, i saw an interview snippet someone asked bergman outright you know do you believe there is anything after death and he gave like a, a kind of long response but it all summed up to basically no <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> we're just done and it's funny because i think obviously uh the knight in this movie would be distressed to get that answer from anyone uh, yeah i think that's that's kind of his biggest fear yeah and ultimately he he, he kind of hopes that he can do one meaningful thing before before he dies and that's you know he, he hopes to achieve that so that you know he has some kind of meaning in his life before before he goes yeah uh, so it's very existential it's very much about you know are we alone does any of this have meaning and is there value in this believing because i think one of the interesting things is that this could have very quickly turned into a very cynical film about some of the other characters like the couple the acting mm. troupe um joff and mia like they, they could have very quickly felt like we were making fun of them or felt like we were looking down on them or anything like that but there's there's a very different um attitude towards that when the knight meets them he kind of like respects them and respects their kindness and almost is I don't want to quite say jealous. He doesn't look like he's like you know, like upset about it. He, but he's like, he almost longs to just be like them. Like he wishes he was still in that place where he yeah. he could live life like this, uh, with this knowledge and hope. Um, and he, as much as it's not going to change his mind and make him reconsider or make him think this is all true just because they believe in it, but he at least respects that they are good people partly because of it and this makes their lives easy because like i mean because if he turned around and said no hey like this is all bullshit i'm going to break it down right now why none of this is real all you'd all you would be doing is ruining their lives and their comfort and you know they're because they're yeah. not hurting anyone they're not doing anything bad they're, they're you know they sing some songs they're very hopeful they have a very optimistic you know outlook on life they think everything's going to be okay um and that's to say there's not any not any flaws in that necessarily 
because um, obviously when you start applying a lot of this to real world situations it gets a lot more tricky and complicated because a lot more facets there's a lot more reasons why well maybe just turning a blind eye and saying oh god will just help us out is maybe a problem we have to actually you know try yeah, to achieve things and maybe so maybe thoughts and prayers aren't enough political <laughs> touch. i concur thoughts and prayers are not enough uh but yes so but yeah, but that's not the point of the movie though. The, the point of the movie is the idea of this character who's disillusioned and doesn't believe it anymore, and probably like you know by the end of the film probably doesn't believe it anymore. Uh, it's about the uncertainty of of not knowing. Um, yeah, and I, I think I'd say he's he's agnostic rather than atheist. Because oh sure, I, I mean, it, I, be, did I ever call him atheist? I don't think I would have. No, no, no. But yeah. when you said that, you know, that, that that he he doesn't believe. I don't think that's true. He he doesn't know whether to believe or not. Is the is the problem? Okay, sure, right? yeah, okay. But I mean, he's got so much extreme doubt. I think you know, early on when he's at the scene where he's he's confessing, and he's talking about how, like you know, what why why is God so silent? Why why is there no comment from him in anything? Uh, why are we all supposed to just you know believe all this based on like you know stories and rumors and fables when there's never any actual proof and yet like i can't just cut him out from my stomach right and that was along those lines of dialogue where the idea that the idea of god is so buried deep within him because it's you know been around him his entire life but and because there's a scene that i like later on where uh they find out about this 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 like marching band of religious uh people who like are trying to like fight off the plague by being like you know going going Old Testament and they've got people like dragging and they're banging drums and they're yeah. you know, and this guy at the front like stands up in front of the, the little village and he shouts about how you know why the plague is happening and God this and God that and like it, it cuts to Antonius every once in a while and every time it cuts to him it's like he's like you he, he can see that he just thinks this is kind of futile like he like he he's, he's watching this and everyone's eating this up but he's kind of over this now. Um, yeah. and this is being used and even the idea that there's a, there's a woman who, who everyone thinks is a witch because he, she talks to the devil and he actually tries to go to her and says hey do you actually talk to the devil because if the devil exists and you're talking to him he could probably tell me if God is real so yeah. you know <laughs> is he there you know what's going on because um, I like the idea in this movie that death exists because I think if death exists then you'd maybe assume that other things exist right yeah, but I guess it's just that it's it's a different concept, right? Yeah. Death, death is something de- definitive. You can you can prove death happens. Death happens, but death is a is an entity. Is a different. Uh, sure, idea. but I mean, just just because death is an entity doesn't mean there's anything after death. Doesn't mean there's a there's a god, right? Sure, sure. And just because there is something after death doesn't mean there's a god or anything like that. No, no, it doesn't. Um. I mean, I don't have to get any reincarnation and you know whatever whatever else you have, but uh, there's actually you know I've obviously been watching Babylon Five for the channel recently, and there's some mythology on that about some of the different alien races and what they believe that's really interesting. I think I think you'd actually dig some of the the weird kind of like made up religions they've got and stuff that they that sort of stuff does interest me. Yeah, they dig into, uh, but yeah i i think what's interesting though because you compare it to because joff is kind of the counterpoint right he's the 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 avid believer who's never never even questions his belief he's just like happy and go lucky and he's he's you know he's got his son he's got his wife and they're these happy almost to a fault again like he almost gets into fights because he's just being nice and talking to people and people take it the wrong way because he's always being happy and cheery and and whatever else 
But they say up early on that he has visions of, of biblical things, right? He sees the Virgin Mary at one point. Uh, although walking with a baby, so she's technically not the Virgin Mary anymore. She's just uh, just Mary. But I'm joking, right? Before anyone corrects me, I know, I know she's still just called the Virgin Mary, right? It's fine. Uh, but she, like, he sees this and everyone just kind of like, ah, oh, you and your visions, like, you, you see these things. Yeah. But the big note, and I'll give the spoiler warning here. There's not a lot to spoil in this movie, honestly, because it's such a analytical like text of a film that there's not a lot to plot of plot to actually like say. Oh, this happens. It's this big surprise, or there's a plot twist, or there's whatever, right? There's not much. No. No. So I'll just spoiler warning from this point on, just so I can freely talk about things. But later on in the film, you know, on the third or fourth time that uh, Antonius is playing chess with Death, it's when they're all there and he sees it. He can see death sitting there. And what's interesting is that he can see death just like Antonius can, but Antonius never gets a vision of anything else. He never gets to see Virgin Mary or anything, you know, from the positive side or, you know, of religion, mm. if you will. And I think what's interesting to to, to that to me is, is I mean, I, I don't know if it necessarily proves that death is actually there or it exists, because obviously one of the things you could think of in your head is that, and Torres is just dying throughout the film and he's like imagining this this game of chess with death. Yeah. This is just all his in his head. Um it does does he share a delusion with 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 Joff? Or does he actually exist? And if if death exists, does that prove the Virgin Mary exists? Yeah, it, it's worth noting that the, the wife obviously doesn't see death here. Oh no one does. No one no one but uh, Joff. It's almost like Joff has an ability just to see these other world entities that no one else can. Yeah, and, and you could question does he kinda just see reality that other people aren't and you know, the the knight seeing death because it's his time to see death. As as we see a couple of instances throughout the film, other people can see him when it's their time. Or is it just a simple idea of because obviously we're talking about oh, does he have this power and maybe it's not meant to be taken as literal as that. Maybe it's as simple as they both see death because they both believe in death, and Joff sees the Virgin Mary because he believes in her. But yeah, you know. it's the same as you know when people see you know Jesus in their toast because <laughs> they want to see it. Mm. And, and maybe it's the same here. It's it's I don't know they know what they want to see and they need to see because they believe in it and and it reaffirms their their faith etc. Yeah. Uh, so I mean this is obviously getting towards the end of the film and this happens obviously the first chunk is meeting death uh, I love the dialogue between uh, Antonius and death it's, it's very it's, 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 it's verbal sparring already before it even like kicks off the chess game it's like would you like to play chess how did you know oh I've, yeah. I've seen murals and paintings and I, I know you play chess <laughs> it's like oh very well preparing. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they sit down and play chess uh, and you know, obviously everything from from uh, Jans, who's the squire, who's the cynical one, who doesn't believe anything. Like he he's the atheist. He's in the you know the, the opposite end he of the spectrum is, from yeah. from Joff, and he's very cynical. Like he saves a woman from from this this bad guy, this, the guy who apparently ended up sending them to to the Crusades in the first place, who recruited them from the sounds yeah. of it, and he he you know he fights him and then he says if he ever sees him again he'll you know he'll kill him and then he actually does see him again and and does he swipes him across the eyes with his blade uh from from what you see pretty vicious yeah that's yeah, pretty vicious but he's, he's very matter of fact he's very like he doesn't even believe in like in uh love or marriage and like he's like oh i need, I need a housemaid you, you woman who i just saved would you like to be my housemaid and just very matter of fact he is yeah um it's, it's very every everything as you can see it's very little yeah um, and he jokes about other things, of course, as well. But 
there's this idea that um because eventually when they all like, sort of congregate there because they, they split they split up a little bit and then once they've interacted with the the couple um you know yons comes with the, the the woman he saved it comes tagging along and antonius is sitting with the couple and they're like, oh we've got strawberries and milk and they end up just sitting there and sharing straw- and it's like a perfect afternoon day it's like this yeah. perfect afternoon day that he gets before he dies of everything and it's just they're all sitting around and it's these different opinions of he's just listening to every side whereas you know joff's got his little uh what's the instrument he's got uh a lute L- a lute yes yeah, a lute uh and he's he's strumming away singing his songs and you know it's just there's, there's these different reactions around but they're all kind of like coexisting together for this really nice afternoon um yeah. And of course, the the moment he gets where he gets to have his one heroic kind of like what well, the one good thing is he distracts death uh, later on, so that uh, when Joff and his wife want to escape, they can and they get away, yeah. uh, and they survive. Everyone else dies. Everyone else is in the group because they get to Antonis's castle at the end and they come in and they, they sit for lunch and the storm, the plague's going, and they talk about it being apocalyptic and all the rest of it, and then death shows up at the door, and there they, they all see him because it's time for them all to die. They're all yes. they're all there, and um, it's a great scene. Like, I, I think one of the things the movie does really well is the the silent staring when death shows up in, in all occasions. And of course, there's a very funny scene in the middle where he actually kills the the actor who pretends to be stabbed, and then he's sitting against the tree, and death kind of casually comes up behind him, and and you know hooks him up. Yeah, starts cutting down the tree that he's sat on. Starts cutting down the tree that he's sitting on. Um, it's a very funny scene. There's a lot of dark humour in this. Yeah, because the actor's like, I mean, yeah, a- a- any deals that I can make? It's like, not even for an actor. Go on. <laughs> he's really and, trying. And he just dies. That's no, it's great. And actually, one of the other things I like, was go back to that scene where the uh, the biblical guy's like, you know, spouting his stuff in front of the, the, the village, and it's cutting back to, it's cutting back to Antonius, I love that he starts talking about the Reaper and he starts to, oh, he came with his scythe and he, you know, he does this and he does that. And I love the idea that he's like, this is what confirms to Antonius that it is bullshit because he, he's met death. Like, he's met death that morning and he knows he doesn't show up with the, the stereotypical scythe. Yeah. Like, you know, he's speaking of the, the stories of this, you know, stereotypical image of death and that's not what he is. Yeah, I do love that. Everyone has that image of death, right? And then mm. when death actually shows up, they all know who he is. Yeah, so like, I mean, there's no question. It's like, oh, you don't look like what I expected. They just know. Oh, again, I think you can't take the movie literally just on face value. You ha- you have to kind of just think what everything represents, and it's just them knowing death has come for them. You know, forget that it's a person. You know, it's like they just yeah. know that it's their time. Um, it's, it's it's gone. So, um, yeah, because uh, they they end up with a uh, the the blacksmith and his wife because the actor who gets uh, you know cut off the tree. He's, he has a quick affair with the blacksmith's wife and then she just sort of like turns on him when the blacksmith shows up and what I thought was fun about this is that the the, the, the actor gets so apologetic that and requests that he get to take revenge on him that he doesn't want to he's like oh I can't take revenge on him like that just seems not right now yeah you know it's pretty amusing there's a lot, a lot of humour like that and I, I think the the humor in there's again it's kind of true to life and kind of true to the the analysis that the film's kind of taking of how the different ideas kind of clash and i, I, I think it is, it is definitely the, the just position we get it a lot with uh, with joff and you know yeah just him being so oblivious and everyone being quite cynical around him 
Yeah, but to the point where he gets into trouble a lot because he's not almost taking yeah. things seriously. He's almost relying on it too much to to a point. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I think looking at the film as a whole and just you know going through the 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 half hour of silence with people. I, th- I think the whole point of the film is that it, it kind of encapsulates the the whole thing. Like I say, this half hour is just the, the entirety of existence. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you'd say that you know, because um, obviously the end of the film after they've all technically died, uh, when they wake up the next morning, uh, Mia and Joff they look up in the distance and they see like you know the deaths leading the, the seven of them dancing. Yes, I think it's across seven. the hill. Yeah, uh, dancing across the hill to their death it's a gorgeous shot that was a gorgeous shot and she doesn't see this of course and obviously the movie's full of gorgeous everything in the beach at the opening with the waves crashing and yeah yeah this this, this ending stood out though you know the silhouettes on the hill with the yeah. clouds great yeah. stuff Dan- dancing to their death and what, what does the fact that they're dancing mean they're, they're not resisting they're going off willingly no it's acceptance isn't yeah. it yeah uh, but I think what's interesting though is is setting it in this time. You're going back to an even more, you know, heavily religious time period where everyone, you know, people are believing witches, so they're burning someone because of it. Yes. Uh, they're they're, you know, stringing people up. And the idea that if you're not religious, you you're like the exception. Well, obviously, because now it's a lot more murky. There's a lot more, you know, atheists, uh, agnostics, everything in between. You know, yeah. th- things have changed considerably. Whereas this is a time of of uh, religion really dominating. Like religion ruled the land, if you will. Yeah, in, in most countries, it, it ruled through the state, whereas obviously now there is a, a separation. Yeah. In okay. in most, you know, we, you know, Western countries at least. Yes, uh, at least in theory. In in theory, yeah. <laughs> Look at me getting political again. Uh, so, no, I I think obviously you've got the performances uh, from all the actors, which I think. The, the the camera tends to like to stay back in this movie. It, it doesn't go in for a lot of. I mean, there's some close ups, close ups here or there, but it tends to like to just let the the scene breathe and let the yeah. the, the actors most do, of, do most their job. Most of the close ups are when death is around. Yes, things get very close because it gets personal. It's like he's yeah. in your face. It's very intimate. Yeah, it really moves in when death's there. But most of the time, like I say it, it sits back. It it's it's rarely just static. There's a lot of, of subtle movement, but. It's not in your face. It's not up close. Yeah, very subtle. The, the black and white imagery is fantastic, though. There's, it is. Yeah. There's a, a lot of almost anything where there's a cross or anything where they're, they're in the you know obviously the scene where he's confessing to, near the start and he's in the church and it turns out the priest that he's talking to is actually death, uh, and of course death tricked him like yes you know into revealing I, his stra- chest strategy. Yeah, and it's it's almost like what does this represent in terms of if this, if this just represents life like. What does this moment represent? Is like death, you know, sneaks up on you when you're not expecting. You think you've tricked it in some way, like yeah. It's ultimately there's there's no getting around it. You're gonna lose to death eventually. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Uh, but again, uh, the actor playing death is fantastic as well. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Bengt Eckerot. If I uh, probably butchered that name, but there he is. Uh, Gunnar Bjornstrand for uh, Jons is a great name. That's a good name. It's a great name. Uh, but no, no. It's, it's like I say. It's a very, it's a very like light film at times. It's darkly funny, but the the, su- the core subject is so depressing. I think to compare it to last week's film of uh, Women in the Dunes, I think this one is less depressing for us because I think Women in the Dunes is about something that all of us are going through in life. Like everyone is part of that that system that it was it was critiquing. Where I think this, depending on your actual beliefs and where you actually fall on this argument. 
Um, you can respect the analysis of this, but it doesn't fill me with the same dread that, that I, Women in the Dunes did. I, I disagree on, on one thing there, oh, saying on. that it's, it's us specifically that will feel that way. I think this film intentionally has a lot of comedic effect to it and it light moments to to offset that dread so it's like hey we know this is a serious topic so we're gonna okay. almost make I it digestible so that it's it's so people can take it in that's fair there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of women, comedy and and women in the women dunes, in the dunes was just depressing and tense the whole way through yeah but i i do feel like you know someone not even someone religious i think someone who's kind of in the middle like someone who's agnostic and maybe struggling with this this realization themselves mm. i think and that's a very specific part of your life to be in to, admittedly to but if you watch this film during that it's kind of like if you're going to, if you're like thinking about wanting a divorce and you watch gone girl like that'll just that'll do it you're, you're done you're breaking up after that yeah yeah it's a bad idea and i don't think that's going to have idea. that effect and that you'll make come out strictly saying one or the other but no, I don't think it goes as far as to answer it because I think, based on what you said, that's the point. He didn't have an answer. Yeah. Right? He, um, he didn't know himself. Yeah. And the idea that the horror of the story is that if if we are alone, then there's nothing we can do in death. It's just, you know, your, your life is meaningless. And that's kind of what the, the night is struggling with. Um, and it, it tackles it. It's actually quite a short film. It's like 95 minutes, something like that. It's not, yeah. it's not a super long it, film. It's, it's why I think it's interesting that the night is kind of the one that's the worst off in many ways uh, the the people at either end you know uh, Jans is uh, is you know very cynical and you know blunt but he, he lives in the moment he, he knows what it is right yeah he's he's, and, he's kind of accepted when death comes it comes and that's it yeah so he's happy but he's he's not necessarily that nice a person right and then Joff Joff is uh, <laughs> is very happy Right, he's he's got God and and all that, but he's extremely happy. He's probably he's easily the happiest character in, in in the movie. But like I say, people don't like him because he's too happy. He's too in your face. Yeah, I think you could also maybe argue as well that they've got a kid, and they're a bit younger than all the other characters. So maybe they represent just the idea of the new generation growing up to make their own, you know, realizations yeah. and ideas and beliefs. Like, the kind of idea that he talks about his son and like, oh, he'll be a an acrobat or you know a juggler, juggler or whatever. Yeah. And it's the idea. Oh, maybe the kid won't, won't want to be any of these things. Yeah. You know, not that he knows what but an astronaut is yet, but maybe he wants to be an astronaut. <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting that people at either end are at peace with themselves. They're, they're odds with the world, perhaps, but for themselves, they're quite yeah. content. Oh, Whereas the knight, you know, they're quite well respected by by everyone around him. Right? You know, everyone gets on with him, but for himself, he's the one that's lost. And I think I think that's part of the way is here is, and I think what's almost... interesting about what you're saying there is I don't think there's a clear better off out of any three of them then at that point. No, I don't either. I think he's saying you know maybe having one of the definitive ones is better. It doesn't matter which one, but maybe one of those is better for you yourself, but maybe not for you know society as a whole. Is this is that, is he saying that we're dicks because we're more like yawns? Is that is that what he's saying here? <laughs> How dare he? Yeah. W. Yeah. Bergman. I mean, is, is, is he wrong, though? Ah, people love us. We're delightful. <laughs> sure. Not quite the word I'd use to describe us, but... Well, I'm delightful. You're tolerable. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Well, maybe he didn't go far enough. Maybe he had to do, like, a D&D &D alignment, I think, here. So there's nine. 
and you, yeah. you, you get a cross referencing of like you know where who falls on where yeah yeah but i do think the three cover the basic you know the idea that okay accepting or, or denying either way you're content with your choice for better or worse but when you're in the middle and when you don't know when you don't have an answer that's when things get murky and then for yourself uh you, you can kind of lose what your your aim is yeah it's kind of the idea that like i mean obviously not i mean like i say it's a lot of people just once they get to a certain age they'll make their choice one way or the other and that's just kind of it and it's not necessarily a big moment in their life it's just kind of like you just get to that age and you start to think about it, like, nah yeah i don't really believe this or maybe i do believe this or whatever or some people of course are born again christians or whatever and they do that later on but for a lot of people it's just not that big a thing it's either you're raised into it and you just kind of keep going with it or you're not raised into it and you just kind of keep going so the idea that the people who have these dilemmas one way or the other are the ones who either realize they don't believe or realize they want to believe halfway through life if you will whereas yeah. you know clearly uh yawns and maybe it's not even a, a coincidence that yawns and joff are kind of similar names and they're the, the opposite ends of the, the spectrum like mm. where it feels like yawns has always been this way and he's content because of that and joff has always kind of been his way and that's why it works for him yeah whereas enough has happened which arguably i mean to me in a lot of ways it makes uh, antonius the one who's the most realistic character because he's the one who's questioning things yeah yeah no i agree with that and um, you could almost argue that the, the two opposite ends in this one are just almost caricatures to make their point of what end they're on whereas oh, absolutely yeah. antonius is like no no he's the one who's thinking about it so but here's the here's the thing i don't i am not a religious person however i do like the idea of faith but i prefer it when it's not tied to religion just so organized religion not that often sure sure yeah but no when i say faith i don't mean belief in a, an entity as, as such i mean like when a character has to have faith that say like they are the chosen one they have to have faith that they have these abilities or they have to have faith that someone else is like like when someone else asks them to do something they have to have just faith that they're doing the right thing or so you know like the idea of faith is a is a is a seed of doubt like there's a reason why they shouldn't really believe they need to do something but they're asked to take it on faith and they have to like that is a f fascinating idea to me um in storytelling fair enough and i pretty much love when that's done properly yeah i can't argue with that one. no i mean i think it's i think what i appreciate about this movie is someone who is atheist and typically is a little bit of, like I, I will roll my eyes at certain you know at certain properties that bring up religion because i just i, I don't want to necessarily be preached to i don't want to listen to it mm. um and this to me is a very sort of fair and balanced look of the mentality of someone struggling and then having representatives on both sides it does not feel like it picks a side even though the director in a lot of ways certainly feels like as time went on he leaned more towards one and the other but the film itself is yeah. is fundamentally kind of in the middle and it's, it's about the it's very impartial isn't it it never answers it it's not like you get to the end and you know that oh they're going somewhere else or you know it's like oh they're dancing to heaven they're fine you, you don't know yeah, that no of course not it's just no they're, they're dead that's it yeah and if you could argue that if these visions that joff is having are just what he wants to believe then they look happy to him because he wants to believe that oh they go somewhere good after death he wants to yeah. believe that something something nice comes next. So that's what he sees here. He sees them dancing with death as if everything's going to be okay. Yeah, no, it's true. Any, any other thoughts on the seventh seal? 
No, I say the cinematography is is just fantastic throughout. No, it's and very good. That's it's it, it's it's what keeps it moving in some ways. No, it does. It's not. I think there's maybe one or two times where I, I think uh, in fact the one scene that I will say goes on far too long is when they're actually performing in the troupe at the town. It's like one song too many. Yeah, I I could have done with you know twenty seconds of a song to sell the point, and that'd have been it for me. You know, I was fine with the full song that we got, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, that's it. And then they went into another song. I was like, yeah. okay, now now it was too much. Yeah, I had to cut off a few minutes of that scene, but I mean, hey, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. a minor nitpick and uh, an otherwise excellently executed movie. Uh, I almost did a Bret Hart thing there where I said excellent in execution back to back. His whole thing in wrestling was that he was the excellence in execution. Right. Okay. So I, I did it by accident, but I just once I said it. If Matt was here, he'd be like, "You just said the Bret Hart thing." You'd yeah, like, he'd be on you. But he'd, he'd be I'm, on I'm it. sorry, I don't get it. It's the first time I've ever heard of this. Yes, well, I'm sorry, but hey, uh, no, it's fantastic. I'm I'm really looking forward to doing more of his films because I do like this one a lot. I think it's great, and most people rank it highly and have it like at the top of the top and one of the best films of all time. I get why it's there, um, and I think it handles its subject masterfully. Every other film I've seen by him, I like more. And I think it's because it's the same fantastic direction, but it's tackling other subjects. And it's subjects that I'm just inherently more drawn to and more uh, attracted to. Uh, that's fair enough. So, you know, uh, so that's just a personal taste thing more than anything else. Uh, but it's a fantastic film. It's, it's, you know, it's got this serious moment. Every time Death shows up, he has presence. There's tension. There's lots of light humour that is genuinely quite funny at times. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and then yeah, you, you got this big ending uh, that's that's really great, where he finally gets back to his wife, and then they die that night. <laughs> it's a really depressing it's film. Very tragic. Stop and think but it's one of those it. where it was like, well, we knew that was coming the whole time, right? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Because um, there's a point in the film where he, Death says, "Next time I see you, it'll be death for you and your companions." Like he's like, "All of you are going." Um, yeah, it's almost the. The price he paid for trying to cheat, you know, trying to just get this extra time out of the, the for, out of him, and he did get some extra time. Oh I mean, yeah, if, if, if you go with the idea that's the plague that's killing them all, did he infect everyone else by lasting a little bit longer? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know. The hey. Uh But that's the Seven Seal. It is a classic and often referred to as a masterpiece for pretty good reason. Yeah. It depends where we fall on it. I, I did like it more this time. This is the second time I've watched it. I, c- I can see why you might like it more on a rewatch. Uh, it makes sense to me. I think on a rewatch it worked a bit more for me. I think, because this is the first Bergman movie I watched but the first time I saw it. Um, and I was like, most people start. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's pretty solid. But for me, it may have been the weird choice to start there. And then I went on to see Wild Strawberries, Persona, The Magician, uh, Ivan's Childhood. I think that's all the ones I've seen so far. Um... And they're all very good. Like they're all—I mean, they're all good. There's not a, a fault among them. This, this is—I mean, it feels like a weird thing to say, but he's kind of Sweden's Kurosawa, right? He's—he's he's done so many yeah. movies in this era, and there's this just standard of quality, you know, across the board. Yeah. No, I get you. Uh, so definitely, we do—we've done—we've done a few Kurosawa films. We have to start digging into the, the Swedish backlog, uh, and I think we'll, yeah. we'll do that. We've, we've been focused uh, reasonably heavily on on Asia. It's Japan and Korea, man. They got a lot of movies, a lot of good movies. I feel like my my, my foreign list is going to be dominated by them. <laughs> Not entirely, don't be wrong. Yeah. But like, 
They're going to appear a lot. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, end of the month, we're doing top 50 foreign films. Uh, but before I plug that properly, we should do some ratings here. So, Connor, what are you giving Seven Seal? Seven out of ten, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm debating between a very high 8.5, maybe just scraping the nine. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. No, no, I'm just, I'm just laughing. Uh, I, I, I think for me, I go with a solid eight. Okay. I, I, I go with a solid eight. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't connect with me on a personal level. I, I mean, I'm gonna sell with the the very high eight point five for now. Okay. But I think when I rewatch this in you know however many years, that could quite easily just knock its way up to the nine. Cool. I think uh, Bergman's one who I think you'll respect more the more films you see of him, and when you get used to his style, you mm. you'll enjoy his films even more. I'm looking forward to rewatching the ones I've already seen. There's tons that I've not seen, and I'm looking forward to those as well. So, uh, but yeah, that's the Seventh Seal. Uh, so, uh, plugging, plugging, things to tell you about coming up. So we mentioned the top fifty world cinema films uh, coming at the end of the end of the month. Um, that'll be starting then. Uh, at least patrons will get it at the end of the month. Uh, for everyone else, it'll be the start of start of next month. But that is coming up at the end of the month. And other than that, we should probably you know point out what else you can look forward to soon. Maybe things can do if you, if you know what those things are. Uh, maybe I don't know. Well, I'll say this: uh, the new Predator films out next month. So I know we're doing Predators soon uh, to get that out before because we've done another Predator films. We've done Predator One to. Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. So, you know. Yeah, um, I'm just having a glance at our, our schedule. Predators is the only film we have actually scheduled what exactly we're doing next. Um, beyond that, we know we'll be doing this at the some of the Star Trek movies soon for our you know Star Trek yeah. review series. Although technically that is not 121 in Flux. <laughs> no, it won't be, but I thought it'll be relevant. To it's relevant, yeah. If you want to hear us talk about the Star Trek movies, you'll be getting that soon. Um, which... Yeah, I'll probably put them in the movie audio feed as well. They'll be on the Star Trek feed, obviously, but they're probably yeah. Worth I think they're, they're they're relevant as movie reviews. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, hold up, how do I number them though? Because they're not in flux episodes. Well, I'm just gonna have to name them. I'm just gonna have to name them already cancelled movie review. Blah blah blah. You you can think of something. It's not neat. It's not tidy. No, it's not. It's not Maybe just do them like they can be like uh, 0.5 episodes. Sure. One twenty-one, yeah, whatever. We're on like ninety point five, or one point twenty-two in flux. Oh God, no! Don't do that. That's worse. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we actually haven't decided a, a lot of the movies for the next month. We had a a list of where we were up to that kind of just ended with this one and then Predators next. That's, well, well, that's good, that's good. Obviously, we'll have the Patreon winner because uh, we have a voting Patreon every month. Uh, Patreon.com slash MailFuzzTV. Go and support the channel if you can. Uh, you can feel warm and fuzzy inside and every month you get to vote on a movie uh, for us to do out of, out of a selection of four. Uh, so we'll be doing the winner of that next month. And then... I do want to, Now we're getting close to October, though, I do want to promote Streams After Midnight specifically for October. Because Screams After Midnight, of course, is just like this show, except it's me and Tim, and we talk about horror movies in a very similar way, and Tim cracks a lot of his weird, zany jokes, and we have a bit of fun, uh, often watching horrendous movies. Uh, not yeah, a always, lot more shite than we cover. But often. 
uh, hey, that's we did a Uwe Boll film though, so we actually have the worst film out of anything we, we've we ever do. reviewed. We do, but you consistently cover shite on screams. <laughs> but uh, October's the October thon, and that means that come October there'll be a lot more streams after many episodes coming out. There'll be around four or five per week for the month of October. There's usually one. There's one per week normally, but there'll be four or five a week for the October thon. Uh, so there'll be a lot of scary movies being reviewed between me and Tim. Uh, so you can look forward to that and there'll be multiple votes for that as well because much like in flux there's a monthly vote for patrons and um, for october we do three votes we do two of them for patrons and then there'll be one that's actually open to everyone for the public uh so even if you're not a patron you'll get to get to uh participate in that but um of course uh, if you aren't a patron if you can't be a patron don't feel too bad you can watch the ads on youtube turn your ad block off like subscribe comment all those things help us out all of them support the channel and keep us making these reviews uh but that is that is that's is us so thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies guys and we'll see you next time